welcome to the Women With Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey, you, and welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred, and I'm sitting across the amazing computer screen with the amazing Kate Lee. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Now, disclaimer, not everybody can score an interview with the Kate Lee, who is the new fresh artist for Desert Book. Like, not everybody, but I have an in. (laughs) I have an in people. The coolest in, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to band at the Women With Fire, right? Right. right. Marching band geeks for life. <laughs> for life. So Kate married a good friend of mine from high school who was a French horn section leader. Like, it actually is mellophone for those of you. Who right. Yeah. We get- <laughs> <laughs> if you mess that up, they get mad. So. It's true. So I got up the guts to reach out to her mainly because I love her art. I love her energy. And then I, in preparing for this interview, I've actually realized you've got a really fantastic message, Kate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope so. Thank you. I just, yeah, I get a little nervous about that, but I really hope people can feel the spirit behind what my goals are here with my paintings and stuff like that. So it's incredible. It really is. Let me, let me kind of introduce you. So people know like, okay, Kate Lee is new to Desert Book and what does she specialize in and what print am I going to buy first? And I will tell them which one to buy first. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the same. We're probably thinking about the same one. (laughs) We probably are. Um, So this is kind of Kate. So she, she had a chance to meet with an inspired fellow artist and she modified her initial artistic direction to focus on works of inspirational watercolor with a minimalistic style that conveys powerful family and gospel messages, which I can bear my testimony of. Um, Kate Lee speaks to us through her art and when words are insufficient. Um, Kate and her husband, Mike. Yay, Mike. Shout out to hey. Mike. Hey, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Utah with their two boys and two dogs. You're living the dream, Kate. Oh, you know it. No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I have to say, you need to look at two of her paintings in particular, right from the get-go, um, if you need to find them. One is called Atonement. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. Yeah. It was the first thing I was introduced to. Is that your most popular? It is, and it surprises me that it is only because, can I tell the story behind it right now, or do you want me to wait right to now. tell the story behind it? Right now. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I painted that one originally um, for an art show last year in April of 18, 2018, and uh, it was the Life of Christ series. Anyway, this is, and I wanted to create things that, or paintings that represented Christ, right, and his experiences, but especially that moment when he suffered for us, right, and I wanted it to really represent it between him and his father and, and what he was doing for us. Right. And so I painted it. I had this really cool image in my head and I painted it. And it's, it's interesting the emotions that I had while I was painting it. And then immediately after what I felt and it was done and I looked at it and I was like, Oh, I just know nobody's going to like this. Nobody is going to be interested. It just, to me, it kind of, in that moment, I felt like it was too amateurish, you know, and I was like, nope, putting it away. So I kind of tucked it away and I wasn't common for you to be critical of your work at that stage. Yes. But usually I'm okay. You know, usually I can look past and be like, you know what? No, I feel really good about it. But this one, for some reason, I was just so overwhelmed with that doubt that I just, I tucked it away and I wasn't going to include it. And I was like, no, I'm too embarrassed, which is weird, which is crazy actually. But I did, I tucked it away. And then, um, I kind of, I didn't forget about it. It was there, but I wasn't going to include it. And then at the last minute, um, probably just a little bit, maybe an hour, 30 minutes, I don't know, just right before the art show, I just had this really strong prompting. You need to include that painting in your art show. And so I was just like, you know what, what do I have to lose? 
if they don't like it, they don't like it. You know, I know the emotions I felt through and I just kind of had to talk myself back into being okay with this painting, you know? Anyway, so I pulled it out, put it in the show and um, people started coming and it was the first painting that people were drawn to, the very first painting. And where was this on display? So I had the art show in my home. And so it was just, I mean, I wish I could show you a picture of my house because there's two levels. Anyway, it's kind of a multi, but it wasn't a multi. Anyway, so um, I had it on the first level. Like you come in the door, there's a level you can go to the side and it was right down there. And so people just kind of turned the corner and went right to that one. And um, it was the first painting that sold that night. And I got more orders for that particular painting, like for prints than any other one combined. Like it just was, it was, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, why did I doubt this? You know, like, why did I have, what, anyway, I know why, but in the moment I was like, why did I just put that away? That has obviously has some power to it. You know, obviously it's affecting people's testimonies. And so I kind of got mad at myself and said, stop doubting yourself and just you know, do what you're prompted to do and, and be okay with it, you know? And so, yes. And this horrifies me to think that it could have stayed tucked away. Like, oh my gosh, Kate. Right. I don't think the spirit was going to let that happen. I think he was going to beat me up until I got it out. Cause, cause really even now, like that was the first painting that Desert Book was drawn to. And then that is, you know, it's been a top seller for them. And if you guys go to the Salt Lake Desert Bookstore, you can go into their temple room and they have it blown up this, I don't know the, oh the size, but it's like massive. It's like floor to ceiling almost. And it's just this big, beautiful painting in there. And I'm just like, it just, anyway, I'm stunned that people have loved it just because of all, I wish I could explain the doubt, that doubt that I felt, you know, to feel that. And then to see where it's at has just been really amazing and humbling to, you know, need to follow the promptings. <laughs> so clearly but. you learn to follow the promptings. Um, but as I think about our studies um, in the Old Testament with, with Paul, in mm-hmm. him bearing his testimony and the darkness he experienced, you know, Paul saw that whole thing. And then right. thinking about the prophet Joseph, mm-hmm. um, it, do you feel like this clearly because you've shared it here, but is this kind of a pivot point for you? on gaining courage with what you're hearing from the Lord. Yeah, I think so because, I mean, for a long time, well, for most of my life, I was filled with doubt with who I was, you know, as a person and my abilities as a, you know, like I've always wanted to be an artist, right? That's something that's just been a part of my life forever. And, but it was always, you're not good enough. You can't do it. Nobody's going to like what you do. And so it was just kind of, I would hide my stuff really. I mean, I'd share it with some people, but mostly it was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a failure in front of everybody. So I'm going to hide my, who I am basically. And, and I feel like with time and with paintings, I've got more confidence and I got closer to being okay with who I am. But I feel like this particular painting of Christ really was just a moment to an opportunity, I should say, to, to push that doubt that Satan tries to fill. There's a scripture, actually. I was thinking about it while you were talking. It's in Mark, and we studied it a few months ago, but it's Mark, um, Mark 4, uh, what's the verses, 14 and 15, and it's that parable of the sower, you know, and, it, and it's Christ. And, and verse 14 says, um, oh gosh, how does it go? The sower soweth the word. It's something like that. Anyway, so it's like, that's Christ teaching us, you know, here's truth. This is who you are. This is absolute truth. And then in verse 15, about halfway down, it talks about how Satan, and and it uses the word immediately. Satan immediately cometh in and it taketh away the truth or so. Anyway, I should look up the reference. It's amazing, but it's halfway down verse 15, but I love the word immediately. Satan immediately cometh in and, you know, and he's trying to take that away from that goodness that we feel or that truth that we feel. And he tries to fill us with doubt because he knows that if, I hope this makes sense. He knows that if we, if Satan knows that if we know the power that's within us or the power, like that painting, the power that's in that painting, he knows that if we know that, then he's lost. Right. And if he can come in and just wedge his way in there and like take that from us, then he's one, you know? And so in that particular, with that painting and that experience, I really learned to because I, again, I can't describe to you the doubt that filled me. It was almost like, and it sounds maybe dramatic, but it was almost like this dark blanket that just kind of was like, oh, you painted something really bad. Put it away. You know, just, just almost, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, I thought it was interesting when you were sharing your story that you used the word amateur. Like 
that is probably an artist's or I'm a musician, um, musician's greatest fear. And, and the worst thing to be called as a creative is an amateur, right? Right. Right. Because it's okay to be an amateur, but if that's what you doing it, I don't know. Cause you're starting out, everybody's an amateur at first. Right. But you don't want to, anyway, you've done this. This is your passion. This is your whole heart onto your paper, right? Or, yeah. or music or whatever it is. Right. And somebody say, well, that's super amateur. It's like, Oh, it just like crushes you. Oh, it just isn't how, I, I don't know of any scripture in which the Lord calls us amateurs. I just, right. cause and, he doesn't. Cause yeah, not. when my little six month old, when sweet Everly is learning to to, to walk. And yeah, we are kind of learning to walk at six months. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other story, different podcast people, <laughs> but I don't sit there and, and gawk and say amateur, you know what right. I mean? Like, I just think that that is such a, a, like a classic Satan move to me. Right. I think Ugh, you are yeah. it where it hurts and you are hitting it in the way that the savior would never teach ever. Right. Because there's that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants too, that talks about, it's that scripture mastery, the section 18 verse 10, where it talks about, you know, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. I mean, that scripture to me, I've shared it a million times. It's one of my favorite because in that simple verse, it's so powerful. It's telling us everything that we need to know about how heavenly father feels about us. Right. Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. And, um, there's, you need to look up the definition of great. I do. I, I, um, when I go and do little firesides, I share the definition of the word great, but it means considerably above the normal or average, right? So Heavenly Father is telling us, you're great. You are great. You are considerably above the normal or average in the sight of God. So he's not, I love how you said the amateur. He's not saying you're, you're amateur. You're, you're kind of okay. You know, he's like, you are more amazing than you even are aware of in that one verse. Anyway. Wow. I love this. And I'm, I'm also kind of in awe that you are pulling direct scripture references, like <laughs> verses included. I'm like, feel like I'm interviewing Emily Freeman right now. Oh, stop. <laughs> Whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, thanks. No, I memorize the scriptures that give me hope and give me, you know, drive. So that's why. <laughs> well, that, that might be a, an actual task at hand. And I want to ask you about what you just said, because I know I, I can like tangibly feel your energy that you know who you are. And I have a feeling it probably has not always been that way, that you've kind of earned your stripes that way. Yes. And I know we have listeners that are desperate for that. They so want no. that so badly. And so going beyond the idea of, you know, I am a child of God, that is a really powerful phrase, but how have you earned your stripes of, I know who I am and I'm worthwhile who, with, with who I am? Right. That's a, that's a, that's a deep question. <laughs> yes. I don't know how much time we have. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you whatever time you need. We have an entire season. Right. <laughs> we'll just keep talking. You guys <laughs> 10 days long. Just kidding. No, I, I feel like it's just fighting for it. Right. But, um, when I was growing up, I was a really, I was really an insecure person. Um, as a child, I remember being really embarrassed, even in like first grade, I remember, um, being super embarrassed to be in front of people. Like we, you know how in elementary school, I don't know if they still do it now, but how when we were kids, you got up and you gave like the weather and then like a current event and what the temperature is and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and in first grade, it was my turn to do that. And, um, I don't remember what I said, but I know I messed up because all the kids laughed. And I remember telling myself, Oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. And I sat down and I remember holding back tears. Cause I was like, Oh, I just, why did I mess up in front of everyone? And now everyone knows how stupid I am in first grade, you know? And so first grade and that, and that just kind of, it's been with me my whole life. I just kind of always, Oh, I'm just so stupid. And, and there's a lot of factors that play into that, which I don't know if we want to get into that, but there are a lot of factors that play into why I felt the way I felt. What was it. the foundation? This, this um, might help you resonate for people listening of like, why are we feeling this way? Right. First well, grade. I think, I mean, and I think it's just as the natural man, it just comes with us. Right. I feel like we have, that's part of our life. We overcome that kind of stuff, but also, you know, the environment that I grew up in wasn't um, super positive. 
And with um, your parents and siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for their sake, I don't want to go too much into it, sure. but um, I, it was, it wasn't a super positive environment, you know, and that was just like, I hope <laughs> I want to say it just right because I don't want to throw any, anybody under the bus mm-hmm. about this, but it was, there was a lot of, I felt like we were on our own a lot. Um, as kids and stuff. And anyway, there just was a lot of different factors in the home environment that played into why I felt the way I did. Um, And so that's what I took with me as I was going to school and and growing up and just that, I I mean, I can remember in every grade feeling embarrassed about who I was, you know? And then um, after high school, I felt like, well, I'm such a failure because all of my friends in high school were really good students, you know, straight A students. And I was never a straight A student. Never. I think I was. You struggled in school. Big time. School was not, I mean, if you gave me art classes and PE and choir, golden. (laughs) Yes. But But the typical science kind of STEM courses Mm -hmm. just were not your thing. Never. And I could, I mean, it just, yeah, it was just really hard. And first of all, I believed I wasn't good enough that I wasn't smart enough. And so even if I did try my hardest, I didn't um, allow myself to try my apps. Does that make sense? Like I wasn't allowing myself to, to reach my full potential because I believed that I was um, not smart enough or not good enough for that. And, and the more that my friends got better grades, the more I felt like a, a failure, you know, which is silly, but that's what we do. Right. Sure. Especially and, at that age. Yeah. 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 And so after high school, all my friends either went to Utah State or BYU or all these great universities. And I'm like, Salt Lake Community College, which is good. Salt yeah. Lake Community is good. But Go slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I even didn't, I only went for a semester when I was 18 and then I quit because I just didn't feel like I was good enough. And, and then, you know, I kind of wandered through my life from 18 to about 2021, it was almost like a fog, you know, like you walk through life and everything's passing you by, but there, I just couldn't find a direction or hold on to anything because I didn't, I didn't know that I was worth it. So I just kind of stood still in this fog. And then things really started to change for me when I turned right before I turned 21. um, People have been saying to me, you need to serve a mission. Why don't you serve a mission? And I was like, no, I'm not going to serve a mission. There are a lot of reasons why I didn't want to, but mostly because I was scared. Um, like, hello, I messed up the weather in first grade. Right. Oh, am I going to serve a mission? Right. right Paul? <laughs> I'm going to teach these people. They're going to look at me and be like, this dork. What is she? I'm going to ruin their lives. You know? <laughs> well, let me, I want to ask you a question before you talk about that mission decision. Okay. Um, when you say you were wandering through, um, you know, age 18 to 2021 20, ish, um, mm-hmm. where were you as far as your, your testimony or your, your activity in the church? Were you like, was that a huge part of your life during that? Or were you just trying to find direction in all areas? I think, no, it's always been a part of my life. I've never really struggled with my testimony. I never really struggled with wanting to go to church because I always deep down knew that Christ was there, that Heavenly Father was a part of it. I didn't always feel like they loved me or that they were interested in me, but I did always know that they were there. And so I never have had a problem with my testimony as far as that goes. Um, mostly my direction was finding my worth, that, that people were interested in somebody like me. You know, I just, I always, every person I came across, yes. you know, were, I always felt like I was just so much lesser than them. You know, guys I dated or even best friends, like roommates, even, I was just like, oh, I'm just not as good, you know, so that my battle was trying to believe or find that I had worth or find my place. I just kind of, I, I wandered in just, I don't know how to describe that better other than I just wandered. I just kind of, I went to work, but I was almost an empty shell as far as feeling like I had any type of worth. You know, I would yeah. go to, if I did go to a semester before my mission, I would go to class and I would just be like, you know, like, just like I said, an empty shell that I just didn't feel like I I think that is the perfect word. Actually, when you do say the word wander, I think everybody is going to resonate in some fashion with those periods of their life where it's like wandering hollow, you know, right. Yes. We are where Where is my space. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Okay. Mission. Mission comes into the picture, at least pressure to serve a mission. (laughs) Right. I'm so glad for the pressure too. (laughs) You did it. You did it. Yes. So yeah, it was like that whole year I turned 20, like I turned 20 and just that whole year people were like, go on a mission, go on a mission. And I fought it. And then it was like a month before my birthday. 
And um, I don't know. I just, I got this email from my older sister and she just said, I know that you don't want people to bug you anymore about this. However, I feel very strongly that I need to tell you, you should probably really consider going on a mission. You know, she's just like, these are the reasons why. And I don't remember all of them other than, you know, you could change or it could help you. I don't really remember the details, but I do remember the email. And I, I was living in St. George at the time with my little sister because we were going to Dixie. Anyway, so I turned off the email. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And I was just like, sobbing because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? You know, because I want to do this, but everybody keeps telling me to do this. I just didn't know what to do. So I got in my car and I drove over to the St. George Temple and I just stood outside the gates of it and I'm going to get emotional. And I, I was so angry with my life and the, the way it turned out, I was like, man, I'm 20. I'm failing at everything. And I looked up at God and I said, tell me right now if I'm supposed to serve a mission or I am not going. And because I'm like, I have other plans. And, and in that moment, it was just this calm peace. Like I just, it's like when I talk about what the atonement painting, how it was like that black, dark blanket of pressure. It was like this hush, like calm, comfort, peace. And I knew that I was supposed to go on a mission. And so I went home to my apartment and I called my mom and I told her, I'm going to move home because I'm going on a mission. And, um, it was amazing how fast that was on that. I even remember the date that was December 31st and my birthday is January 28th. And I, and by the time I got that answer, moved home within two weeks, I had my call. And it was amazing. It was incredible. And I was called to the London England mission, but, but I got called in January and didn't leave till the end of May. So even, even from January to May, it was like this battle of like, Oh, can I do it? And I did go back and forth. Maybe I'm not going to go. Oh, I'll go again. You know, like it just would go back and forth. Of, Is this right? But um, in the end, I knew I kept going back to that experience outside the temple. Yes. Because heavenly father said so in a really powerful way. It was very calm, but it was powerful at the same time, you know, and so left in May and that was the scariest thing <laughs> up to that point in my life. That was the scariest thing that I'd ever, ever done. But one of the coolest things. I, I will never forget you telling that story right now. I will never, ever forget <laughs> what I feel, what I feel inside. And also the reality of those moments of saying, look, I am not doing this. Unless right. I can hear, unless I can hear or feel, you know, that kind of a thing. And I love, I love the desperation there. I do think desperation can bring some pretty impactful results. And, and, uh, and the Lord is bound with so many promises for us. And right. I just love your testimony um, of that experience. And I also know that your mission has really, really <laughs> big implications Change. in your life <laughs> before Say more than just giving me a testimony <laughs> okay so before we spill the beans on like some pretty awesome results of your mission <laughs> wink wink <laughs> um what was your mission like i'm picturing the girl who and i i'm not throwing you under the bus for messing up the weather in first grade what was the mission right like for that girl <laughs> <laughs> um hard hard but amazing okay so um I got out well we were in the MTC first right we, we flew we flew we didn't get to go to the Provo MTC we flew out to the Preston England MTC so it was just this one which was what I needed um but it was just this one see you later rip you out of your comfort zone situation um so the MTC you go it was scary but it was comfortable because it was safe and you were only in the mpc you know but then i got out with my trainer and my cute trainer side note who is like five one and i'm about six feet tall so <laughs> she's my size Woo! so cute when i said on the way over i just telling the sister that was next to me in the plane i said i bet you i get the shortest sister in the mission just because i'm so tall <laughs> So in walk our trainers and this cute, tiny little sister walks in. I'm like, yep, That's you're mine. <laughs> but anyway, she was so patient with me because, because like I had never really had my own opinion before. I had never read the Book of Mormon cover to cover before. I, I knew what we learned in seminary, but I never really learned it. You know, I didn't know, like, I didn't know a lot of stuff. 
and I, and to share my testimony was terrifying. I was almost like paralyzed, you know, when it came to my turn sharing and she was incredibly patient, but I remember, um, what changed for me, I, she, I think she was probably grateful when we were done being companions. Cause she's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this girl, she's like a toddler. But <laughs> Just because I was terrified, like even to leave her in the grocery store, can I go get the loaf of bread? Or am I okay to like go down the aisle and get the loaf of bread? And she would say to me, yes, sister, as long as I can see you. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. You know, like I was so scared that I was going to do something wrong. And, but what changed for me for, with her was she read me the scripture because she's like, sister, because I was so just out of my element. And she just said, you need to find your vision. You need to understand why you're out here. Why did you come on a mission? You know, what is your vision as a missionary? And then she read me that scripture, um, in first Nephi chapter, let's say it's 1713. And it talks about, it's when Christ talks to Nephi, um, when he's asked to build the ship and, and the first line says, and I will be your light in the wilderness, you know, and she read that to me and she said, no matter what we do, no matter if you mess up or not, this is your wilderness right now, and Christ is your light. So find your vision. Christ is your center, right? Find that vision and go forward with that. And that, for me, um, changed me as, a, as not just a missionary, but as a human. I was like, oh my gosh, nobody's ever taught me that before. To Christ is your center, right? And, and he's your light in your wilderness. And why was that new to you? Or, or what about that was so changing for you? I think because, I mean, because you do, you learn about things in young women's and you learn about things in seminary and stuff and they're so good. Um, but I, for me, it didn't, I don't know how to, maybe it makes me a bad young women's woman, no. you know, like a girl, no. but I would always appreciate their lessons, but I never really took it to heart because I, at that time in my life, I didn't believe I was worth it. And so I was just like, well, that includes all the other girls, but that doesn't include me. And so I kind of, it was almost like that one in one ear out the other, not because I was, um, didn't think it was important. I don't know, but that I didn't, it didn't apply it didn't to apply. me. apply. Yeah. Because yeah, okay. I wasn't important. So in this moment, the sister, my trainer, she was like, this was the first time I had really experienced somebody really actually caring about who I was. And she sat me down and she very lovingly told me, you need to find your vision. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you're the first person to really care about me in this way. And so it just kind of, gosh, I get all emotional. Sorry. Once I cry, I can't talk. <laughs> this, but is, this is so raw to me because to me, it, you know that we regularly talk to people about quests right? and, and the elements of a quest. And she, this is why listeners <laughs> why the guide is essential and the savior is always the ultimate guide but it's why we have to step up as earthly guides right and 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 why we have to seek out and be in positions to find guides because it's all about finding that guide that points out that one scripture, right? <laughs> that just opens things up to the world. I just, I really think that that is a true principle um, and shows the importance of, of her as yeah. a person, as oh, much yeah. as you in that suffering, suffering situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she definitely was a good, I was with her for a long time and I'm so grateful. I think she, I mean, I love her and I'm sure she loves me right back, but you know, it just, for me, it was such a, like I said, I felt like a toddler. And then when I left her, I was like, you know, six or seven, you know, like I just I grew up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so did, but, did you find your wings there on your mission? Did you feel like did. that was the changing point? Yes, for sure. Because I was, because after her, I went to my second area and it was Watford. Um, hello, Watford, if you're listening. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I got put in a situation, which was such a cool thing. Like my, um, I was e-moved in to these two sisters because um, the one sister was just a greenie and she was having a hard time. And this other sister was having a hard time with knowing how to help her. So anyway, the, my mission president was like, why don't we put you in there and we can work it out and you know, you can kind of be the buffer. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And so it was just really good. I came in this companionship and we all together, um, I don't know, we made it, we figured it out, made it work. But then that the senior companion left after 
not very long together. And so it was just me and this cute green and we were only six weeks apart in the mission. And so together we decided we were going to be co-companions and we were going to figure this mission thing out together. And we really did. And we were together for six months. And from the time we started to the time we ended, it was just two different missionaries. And, um, and then after that, I was able to train and go on to other parts of the mission. And it just was, I felt so much more confident in myself. I really found myself. I feel like I tell people my life began when I was 21. Like my life started because I figured out that I could have an opinion and that I did have worth when I served a mission, you know, like that's, that's, I'm so grateful to go on a mission because it changed me as a human and it changed my direction, you know, because before I was just lost and, and after I came home and I was like, I know who I want to be. I know where I want to go. And I still carried those doubts, but I, I was one step closer to letting go. So oh, thing. <laughs> this is so rich. This is so rich. And one of the things it really teaches me is I think sometimes we sit in our every, every week meetings, whether it's gospel doctrine or whatever, and we're looking around and <laughs> even among people we really admire, right? right. We feel like it has been since they were reciting scripture from the age of six, that this, right. that is how this person has earned their spiritual strength. And they've just been, they've never missed a day of scripture reading since they were, they could read and they've never had a fight with their spouse. <laughs> they've never like, I mean, put in is that whatever. Real though? Is that real? <laughs> is it real? And I, I think what you have taught me here is like, it has changed my opinion on what the Lord's timing means. Like the Lord is powerful enough to boost your spirituality quickly if needed. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Oh, I totally get it. Well, it makes me think of that story of Alma, Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah, right? Because because I feel like his, I mean, you look at his life and the example, right? He was kind of a naughty kid for a long time. And the sons of Mosiah, they, you know, like they weren't super doing, naughty. Yeah, they weren't doing these great things. <laughs> but then the Lord, the thing I love about that story is the Lord doesn't look at that and condemn them for that. He's not like, oh, you did this. I'm not going to talk. You're not worthy of my love or whatever. He comes and he says, okay, guys, here's an opportunity for you to change and grow and make a difference in people's lives. Here you go. Here's an angel. Are you going to take this opportunity or are you not, right? Because God doesn't, like I said, he doesn't condemn us for those actions. He, he loves us regardless of what we may have done. And Alma, I think of that all the time, you know, that he loves him for who he is. It's like that scripture in Samuel. I don't know the reference, like 1 Samuel 16 something anyway, where it talks about where the Lord looks on the heart, where the, um, yes. it goes like the guy, uh, the, oh, how does it go? Anyway, the Lord looks on the heart and not the outward appearance. Um, and that's what he is with Alma the Younger, right? And the sons of Mosiah and, and with all every single one of us. He can see our potential and he's going to give us those opportunities to grow and change and reach our potential. And look at Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah and what they ended up doing, right? And the lives they affected for the better. And, and if God had just shut the door in them, then all of these other people would have missed out on, on what, you know. Generations. Yeah. Yes. So it's Absolute. just generations. And I think about that mission companion of yours. And I think I am so glad that she was prepared and ready and knew the right thing to say, because by lighting that fire in you, mm -hmm. she has changed your husband's life. She has changed your boys and I'm sure your dog's lives. <laughs> and now we're looking at this quest you are on with your art and you just no one can see the vision of the change that that relies on them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And I feel like no pressure, right? No pressure. <laughs> oh gosh, I get too heavy with stuff like this. It's true. No, I love it. But I mean, that's the thing that we got to remember though, that a lot of the time we put so much pressure on ourselves. We, we have to like, okay, for example, I'm giving a talk on Sunday and I'm really nervous because, and I don't normally get nervous to give talks, but this one, because of the topic is on and I just can't quite get it together. And, and I'm putting, it's a new ward. We just uh -huh. moved here. And I'm like, what if I get up there and I give this talk and it's horrible, you know, like I'm putting this ridiculous amount of pressure on myself when really, if I just get up and do my very best and share my testimony, the spirit is going to make up the difference. And I feel like that's what we do as humans. We put too much pressure on ourselves when really, if we just are okay with who we are, then 
the spirit is going to make up the difference, but heavenly father knows what we can do. Does that make sense? Heavenly father knows what we can do and who we are and just be who you are. And you're going to make a difference. You don't have to be so grand and glorious. Do you know what I mean? Or is that just cheesy to say, but bring on the cheese because that is what's (laughs) resonating here. That is what's (laughs) resonating. And I think it applies directly to your, to your art and your gutsiness to do something totally outside of what has really ever been offered in Latter-day Saint art. (laughs) Something to, right? I mean, put it out there. It's totally different Mm -hmm. than what we have all grown up seeing as far as the images of um, motherhood and Christ and, and Joseph and you name it, all of these incredible um, paintings that you've created. So because everyone's on the edge of their seat on what you really gained from your mission. Oh yes. (laughs) Let's, let's let them know. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. (laughs) And it's something I never expected. (laughs) So, okay. I'm going to go back to Watford because that is when it all happened was Watford. So, um, you guys, I, well, actually I'm just gonna tell you the story and then I'll tell you what happened after. Okay. So yes. So we were in this area. I was in this area for the first six weeks and we had our zone leaders and we had elder Warren and elder Duffin, both good elders. Right. And then elder Duffin got moved out and we got a new elder and his name was elder Lee. And he comes in and he, he says, I was so excited to meet this new zone leader. And I go up to him I'm like, Hey, I'm so happy to meet you. And he said, he goes, good to meet you. Now let's get to work. And I was like, <laughs> Yes, sir. Let's get to work. Such a romantic. I, really. <laughs> I was like, okay. But it was cool to see him like that because I'm like, okay, this elder is not like joking around. This is serious to him. Anyway, so this elder ended up being my husband. This is Mike, but we were really good friends. We only served around each other for four and a half months. And let me tell you guys before you think, Ooh, there's a romance on your mission. No, there wasn't. And I wish I had a picture to show you of the two of us. <laughs> Because Mike, I love Mike. <laughs> total nerdo, right? <laughs> and I was a total nerdo. Because I, you know, my hair, my hair is naturally curly. And so in England, it's frizz city and there's <laughs> nothing you can do. And so there's that. And I just I was a big nerdo. And then we need permission Mike. to put that on our Instagram. Do it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we might have to make that happen. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure you get the pictures. <laughs> Dude, it was bad. It's so bad. Was there was there even a spark? Was there a connection? Like, just as he was, he ended up being my best friend. Um, that that zone. Yes, like on that district because he was in our district. There were six of us. There's four elders and the two of us, and um, my companion and I. Anyway, and he was just. We were such a tight district, and Mike ended up being one of my very best friends. We just got along so well. Um, but neither of us really were attracted to each other. Um, but then, and he got moved out and I got moved out and I just didn't think I'd ever see him again. Cause we were two different ends of the mission. And then he went home and I was like, wow, that makes me sad because you know, we were really good friends. I thought I'll probably never see him again. And he had a girlfriend at the time. And so I thought he's going to go home Busted. and get engaged. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's gone. But, and I had a boyfriend at the time too. So we were both waiting for somebody else, but, um, he went home and then I went home and moves later and didn't really contact him or anything for a couple of months. And then I was going through my mission box and I found his number and it's so funny how the spirit works. I found his number and I was like, Oh, I was reminiscing about Watford and all the fun times we had there. And then the spirit goes really loudly, call him right now. And I was like, what? You know, but this feeling, call him right now. And so I almost, it was almost like the spirit made my hand reach out for the phone and call him. Not really, but you know, I just could not, not call him. And so wait, like this was not text him because there was like no such thing. Well, we had cell phones, but I did not have a cell phone. (laughs) Because even to text somebody in that scenario, I would be nervous in this day. Right. You had the guts to call. Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I was <laughs> like, okay, well, if he doesn't like me, whatever. But never, he lives far away. So, so I called him and I was like, Hey, is this, this is so funny? I go, hi, is this Michael? And he goes, um, it's Mike. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. Oh this dear. Sister, you know, anyway, <laughs> my skin is just crawling right now. I'm dying. Mike. Oh, Mike. Um, Mike. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, anyway, I told him, like, this is sister, whatever. And I told him, um, I just was going through my mission box and I found your number. And he's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So how are you? You know, it was like, anyway, and it ended up being a really good conversation. Oh, good. Okay. Talk for like 45 minutes. And in that conversation, cause I was asking him, so how's your girlfriend? Cause he would share her packages with our district when she'd send them. And you know, so we all knew about her. And so I asked him, I'm like, so how's your girlfriend? Are you guys engaged yet? Or, you know, are you married? And, and, um, he's like, Oh no, I broke up with her. And I'm not going to say what else he said just in case, but he's like, okay. no, I broke up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, um, he goes, he goes, yeah, I broke up with her. And so at the end of the conversation, we're like, why don't we hang out? Let's just hang out. And so we got together some of the other missionaries for a mission and we had a big hangout and Mike flirted with me. I wasn't like, let's hang out. Cause I like you. Let's hang out. Cause we're friends. And so then we went and, and we were hanging out and Mike started flirting with me. And I was like, what is he doing? He's an elder. Like he's not supposed to do this. Kind of a weird barrier. Yeah. There. It was just kind of like, we were best friends, but, and then the next time we decided to hang out again and, and um, that time I was like, Oh my gosh, I am crushing on him really hard. He was so cute. He like the first time we hung out, it just was a thing, but like just to hang out, I didn't really think anything. But then the second time he walked through my front door and I remember exactly what he was wearing. I remember <laughs> down to the shoes. I remember everything. And he walked in and I was like, Oh my gosh, he is so cute. And we went and saw Lord of the Rings. Cause that's when it just came out in theaters. And and the whole movie, I don't even remember watching the movie. I remember looking like side eye at him trying to see what he was doing. So could I hold his hand? Is he going to hold my hand? Should I hold it? Should I lean in? Like, what should I do? Kind of the whole thing. And oh my and that's gosh. That's a really long movie to be doing yeah. that for. Yeah. Like and you we were persistent. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Anyway, we just started dating. After that, we were just like, let's date. And we dated. And then we got married really quickly. So it was just, he's so cute. Oh, so the mission clearly, I mean, obviously our listeners now know that you, you kind of two birds with one stone with your right. incredible right. mission experience, right? right? Yes. I want to know specifically, I'm always curious about the men behind the women that I interview. And I don't always have the guts to ask about it, but I'm going to because right. I know Mike, so neener right. neener. Um, <laughs> Take that, Mike. What, what has been his role in your newfound, and I'm going to say fame, but your newfound <laughs> fame or your newfound quest with Deseret Book. What has been his role, his reaction? Tell us about the dynamic there. Mike is one of the greatest. I mean, and I know, I, I guess I'm just going to brag about him. He really is one of the greatest guys. He's super supportive. And um, do you know that song? This is so cheesy, you guys, but you know that song, The Wind Beneath My Wings? <laughs> oh, yes. I That's what it is. And um, he just the whole time, even when we were first married, because I've always, like I said before, I always wanted to be some kind of an artist, but I was always too afraid. And, and, um, and it wasn't just with art, it was with life. He was always like, do it. You can do it. This is something, you know, he has always been super supportive and encouraging and whatever I've wanted to do. But, um, in 2016 is when this art really started to take off for me. And, um, he just, he's been the one when I've said, I want to do this. And then I would start to like, oh, no, I can't do it. I, you know, like I'd start to hide. He'd say, no, you can do it. Let's do it. I'll be there with you or I'll help you figure it out. Or, you know, let's sit down and work out the details. And he's just always been super encouraging. Like my very first art show was in 2016, my very first solo art show. And he made the food for it. He's, and he's a, an amazing oh, wow. cook if you guys want good Is food. He? He's so good. He's so good. So he's a good dude. In high school. I got totally chipped. <laughs> just what? come over. I'll have him make you dinner. <laughs> so good but he just he's like yeah let's do this art show and he made the food for it like all the little appetizers and then the next I told him okay I want to do another art show next year and he's like let's do it I'll start planning the menu you know and he just he'll help me pass out flyers or you know he just encourages me and all that but then when um with Desiree book <laughs> he's so cute the big one. Oh my gosh big one he's so great so um I had that art show last year right 2018 um, and at that art show, there was a lady. So the, the invitation was an open invitation for anybody in the neighborhood or that followed me on Instagram. Um, and so I just was at my home and people could come. And so at that art show, um, there was a lady that came, one of my followers from Instagram who is now one of my friends, but we, I didn't know her at the time. 
And she said to me at the end that she walked through the show and then she came after and she said to me, why don't you, or have you ever considered submitting your art to Deseret Book? And I kind of, I just kind of laughed, not at her, but just kind of like, whatever, they were not going to take my stuff. Like I'm not Greg Olson, you know? And <laughs> that was my exact thought. Right. And I've got Greg Olson in my house. So right. Oh, yeah. it's beautiful. Right. It's standard. Right. Right. Cause yes. he's very talented and it's that you think desert book, you think Greg Olson. Right. And so I was like, whatever, they're not going to do that. And so then, um, she's just like, just think about it. And I said, okay, but I'm not ready for that kind of rejection. So it's probably a no. And she left and, and I just kind of, I didn't push the thought out of my head, but I didn't really pursue the thought, you know, either. And it was about two weeks after that, the art show I had, this, I woke up with this prompting, you need to submit your work to Desert Book and I, or you need, no, no, let me back up. You need to think about submitting your work to Desert Book. And this is where you guys come into play. Do you want me to tell you like your podcast comes into play? Oh, heavens. Yes. Okay. This is the whole day and I haven't gotten to this detail with anybody else. So I've kind of just done the surface. Okay. So that day I wake up with that thought and then we'll add, we'll make sure Mike gets in here cause he's a part of this, but that thought, think about it. And I was like, Oh, I just, I can't do it. I'm not good enough for desert book. I'm not. And I, throughout the day, the boys were at school and I was just thinking, I need to find ways to uplift my spirit. You know, I need to find a way to anyway, be okay. And cause I was kind of feeling just a little down anyway. And I came across your podcast. I'd never listened to your podcast before. And, and it was, and I, I might get it wrong, but I think it was episode 46 is okay. the, the finding your quest or oh, 48, it was, uh, 48, 48. Yeah. Okay. Really that was close. the one. Yeah. Finding your quest. And, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to listen to that. I wonder what that is. And I, you guys have no idea how much you've influenced me. I listened to that. And I got, I was like, yes, like the whole time. Yes, yes, I can do it. You know? And, and I was writing down goals and the things that you guys were talking about. And, and I was like, okay, I, I think I'm okay. You know? And, and, and the thought in between me listening and this thought, think about it, think about it, think about it, kept going back. And then there was an, a YouTube video that I watched of another cute family and their journey. And it was just like with your podcast and this YouTube video, it was just like, what do I have to lose? I mean, really, what do I have to lose? And so I finally got the courage to sit down and pull up Desert Books website and submit four of my paintings. But, and I told myself, really, I'm, only, I'm not going to tell anybody that I did this, you know, including Mike, because if I fail, then only I know that I failed, right? Sure. And anyway, so when you click submit, they, they tell you, thank you for your submission. Give us two weeks to review and we'll get back to you. And I was like, okay, two weeks until my rejection day, like two weeks and I can prepare you myself to be mind. Oh, it, it was on the calendar. It was, like, it was like, oh wow. Rejection day. Anyway. And it was just, I was like, okay, I can, I'll be okay either way. But I just told myself I'll be okay either way because um, I did something courageous. So it's okay. And so then that was a Monday. And by Wednesday, I got an email back from desert book, you know, saying, we love your stuff. We want to take it on. And I was bawling. I'm I like over shocked. here, tears down my face. <laughs> yes. I'm like in the moment with you. So crazy. Wow. I just was like, what? I'm like, did you guys, are you sure you looked at the right paintings? Like, are you sure? And so then that's when I called Mike and I was like, Mike, you're not going to believe this. And I told him I submitted my, my work to desert book. And they said, yes. And they didn't say just yes. They said, yes, we love it. You know, it was just like, oh my gosh. And he, he's like, I knew it, Kate. I knew it the whole time. You, he, and he always tells me, you just need to believe in yourself. I knew you could do it. And I'm like, Mike, you're the best. He's just been so supportive. And so since then, he just, he gets excited when we have different things coming up with Desert Book. And, you know, like I got to the opportunity last uh, December to go to China with them to see the final products that were coming out. I mean, they called me and they said, do you want to come on this trip? And I was like, yes, I didn't ask Mike first, but then I called Mike and I said, Mike, they invited me and he goes, do it. You have to do it. Go, go, go. You know, like he's just always super supportive and with firesides and with, I mean, with this podcast and just everything that comes up with Desert Book, he's really, really excited and supportive. And he just, he's, he says it's, who you are. And he says, I'm really proud of you all the time. I'm really proud of you 
for sharing your who you are and sharing your testimony and stuff and so it, he's just he's a good guy he's a really good guy i feel like i lucked got really lucky with him <laughs> oh it just the story and i just like my tears are like right on my eyes right now which isn't super <laughs> common on the podcast but i think what what is so true about what you just said and this is going to come across i'm sure very disjointed um no. is is the idea behind just because we had the mission companion who brought our vision to where it needed to be and just because we have a husband that says do it and and go for it and i believe in you and just because we have learned these things these principles about who we are um, along the way doesn't mean that it's in cement right these experiences are happening over and over and over again. And, and to picture you submitting it and taking that step, and gosh, Michelle and I are always screaming to take a step. Right. Take a step of courage, <laughs> people. And yet, even with that step on the calendar, you are writing, here's my day of rejection. Here it is. And this is where the Savior comes in to me. Mm-hmm. This is where the Savior comes in and makes up the difference to transform us further, to give us more of those experiences. Um, and I'm so glad that this one in particular ended in acceptance. And it has been a wild ride for you. And I'm not at all saying that now that you are signed on with Desiree Book, like you've arrived and that's, that's you know, the, the end of the challenges or anything like that. But I am so grateful for your, your rawness to just say, look, loving who we are is hard and constant. Right. It is, right? I mean, it just is a daily constant. battle. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, the, the goal, the adversary of Satan is to just, just like destroy us, to bring us down, right? And he's going to come at us at every angle he can. And, and the thing that he knows, which I hate that he knows this, but he knows our, our weaknesses and he knows, um, well, let me say that better. He knows what he, he knows trigger points. Yes. Right? Okay. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. He, okay. He, um, knows our trigger points. He knows what we, anyway, how we feel about ourselves and he uses those to his advantage. Cause I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, that was something I was told either directly or indirectly. I was told a lot that I was stupid, right. That I, and that I was in the way and, and he knew that he knew that situation. And so he took that situation and he was just like, yeah. And everything I did, Oh, remember you're stupid. Remember you're not smart enough. Remember this. And he does that with all of us and whatever our doubts or insecurities are, he does that with all of us. And I wish that he, anyway, I call him a dirt bag, say in your dirt bag, but because hey, just... I bet your boys resonate beautifully with that, right? That's a great little chant <laughs> on the way to school. <laughs> I always tell them, I just said, not today, Satan. <laughs> and let me bring up a concept that, and we are over time, listeners. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can talk Moving on. That. They don't care. They don't care. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that I, I love about that is I, I do think it is critically important for us to understand how God speaks to us. Right. Shared those experiences so beautifully and in unforgettable ways. How does he speak to me? And I'm receiving promptings. We also have learned from you that like, sometimes there actually is power also in how Satan speaks to us. Right. 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 And I don't think we talk a ton about it and I don't want to give it like a ton of attention, but like, to me, that is a perspective shift. Right. Right. Well, we need to be aware of it. We need to, because I feel like that's something I didn't understand that Satan is feeding these insecurities. You know, I just, I just accepted that I was stupid and unimportant and worthless instead of fighting back on it. You know, like have, there's so many ways to fight back on that with what he feeds us. We can read our scriptures and heavenly father in so many scriptures is telling us who we are, right? Like, just like I said earlier about the one in doctrine and covenants, the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. That's coming from God. Like that's coming from our father. And those are ways that we can use that to fight back on, you know, um, how did you say that the, the influence of Satan or, or anyway, those are ways that we can find our worth. I don't know how to make that sound better. No, th this is such an awesome, an awesome concept. And I think you, you show it and show such a great example of it, of the powers of knowing both sides. 
You've right. got to know both sides. You do. And, you have to be aware. And in a way, it kind of distances you from like when you're sitting there saying, I am stupid and Desert Book is never going to like this and right. I'm not good enough to do this. You can kind of step back and say, Satan is a dirtbag. Right. Wait a minute. That is like not even me. That is not even right. me. Yeah. Right? And I want our listeners to take note and then I'm going to let you kind of close for us on one final thought. And I want our listeners to take note um, of Kate's amazing example of the need for nourishment for the soul constantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that the Women With Fire podcast is it for everybody or anybody, <laughs> but man, it nourishes my soul in preparing for it. Mm-hmm. And sitting here across from you, like my soul is nourished here. And you don't have to be a podcaster and you don't have to be painting incredible paintings of Christ to nourish your soul, but you have to quest mm-hmm. so that you have depth and something to offer and constant reminders mm-hmm. of who you are, who you right. are. And so your final thoughts to our women who are questing at a thousand different levels and in a thousand different mediums and ways, what is your parting message to them to fight against Satan and evil? I, that's a good question. I just think that the best way to fight against Satan and evil and him trying to bring us down is to really look at yourself and love who you are, right? Look in the mirror and, and be okay with who you are, how you are, because that heavenly father is okay with who you are, how you are, but he made you who you are for a reason. There is a purpose for you. There is, I always say in my Instagram post that you are somebody else's light who you are is somebody else's light and you have no idea who you're affecting. You know, sometimes it's right in front of our faces and it's immediate and sometimes we never know. But when we embrace the person that heavenly father made us, you know what I mean? And the qualities that we came with, then everything else, the adversary, the blows, all of that stuff, the, the pulls of the world have really have no effect on us because we're focused on who we really truly are. You know, the world wants us to believe that we have to be some unrealistic standard, whatever, you know, but when we push that aside and we, we look at who, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, this is what I do is break it down. This is who I am. I'm Kate Lee, right? But this is what I'm about. And these are the things that I do. I like this, this, and this, and this, you know, I'm good at this, this, and this, and this. And I don't worry about, I mean, I am not a good singer. I never will be. I like to sing, but I'm not going to let that destroy my life because I'm not this amazing Broadway singer, you know, and I focus on the things that, you know, I'm good at this and this and this and this. And that's what, where, that's where I found, find my, my value and my worth and knowing that heavenly father trusts me as that, you know, and being okay with that, then that just gives me motivation to continue to move forward. Even with all of my my flaws and all of that. I'm okay with that because Heavenly Father is okay with that. So just love who you are. Uh, I love what the Lord has been able to do with you with, with that message and your example of that. And there is no one listening that can say, you have not fought for it. You have not fought <laughs> for that assurance. So this has been amazing for me. Thank same you. Me. Same here. Thank you. It's been a really been fun it's been fun to it's funny that you're like oh Kaylee I'm like oh the women of fire you know (laughs) (laughs) it's how it should feel right we're all rock stars in our domain let's just do it right right? Right. (laughs) let's just do it now um I do I do want to make sure that people can experience more of you your Instagram is way fun to watch. I watched you guys on green scooters last night. On your oh, show. that was so much fun. <laughs> um, you just to get to know her family and her boys and, and her personality. Um, you can find her on Instagram and we will certainly link it in the show notes. So it is at Kate K A T E underscore Lee with two E's underscore art. Kate underscore Lee underscore art. Um, and then you can obviously find all of her amazing prints and framed art and everything at desertbook.com and learn all about her. But I just, I just think the world of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Man, you are such a force for good in a thousand ways and your art has impacted my home. And I am so grateful that you went through the 
years and years and decades of sacrifice and challenge to be able to produce something that impacts my family. Um, so we are so grateful again that we were able to have Kate Lee. Thanks so much for joining us on the Women with Fire podcast. Hey, you guys, that was a great episode, right? Well, do you want a little bit more or a lot more? Well, we have it for you. Head over to thewomenwithfire.com slash bonus, and you're going to find two bonus episodes that you can download that can literally get your soul on fire right now. So Sarah and I get asked to speak at places a lot, and we have two most requested topics, and we are tackling them and giving them right to your inbox. So Sarah's topic is Satan is at the Y, not at BYU, my friends. It is at the Y, and she dives in uh, and tells you how to get over the questions. Then you can pop over and listen to Michelle talk about like the thing she's most fabulous at talking about, and that is God is speaking. Do you hear him? If you feel like revelation is sort of a tripping point for you, she has got some incredible ways that you can better hear the Lord in your everyday life. So these are bonus episodes. You can jump on right now at thewomenwithfire.com slash bonus. Download them right now, and there is more for you to enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us at the Women With Fire podcast.